0: Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Tanya Dalton. She's the host of the Productivity Paradox podcast and also the new author of the book, The Joy of Missing Out, Live More by Doing Less. And in this conversation, we're going to talk about what overwhelm really means and how to overcome it, the nonstop pressure to be busy, the myth of work-life balance, and using the five Ps to create structure for your day. So listen up and get ready to check off this conversation with Tanya Dalton off your to-do list. This week, it is my privilege to welcome back to the show, Tanya Dalton. Welcome back, Tanya.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you again.
0: When they reached out and said you had this book coming out, I said, Oh yeah, that was a really fun conversation we had last time. And then I had to uh-huh. look it up and I realized uh-huh. it was like two years ago and thought, Oh, that's not good. Too, <laughs> too far in between. Come on now.
1: I know. I know what happened to us, right? Yeah. I mean, it was such a great conversation last time I was here. So when it came time to uh, talk about the book, I was like, we got it. We got to talk to Eric because it was just, I just had such a great time on the show last time. So I'm thrilled to be back.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you know, it, you hate to be that person who's like, okay, let's check in the next time I have something to promote. You know, right. I do it mm-hmm. too. I do. But you know, we
1: all do. <laughs> but I'm, I'm,
0: I'm, I am now publicly offering the invitation that like, I need you to come back sooner than the next book, which I know you may or may not even be thinking about, but <laughs> let's, yeah, yep. yeah. I would
1: love that. Definitely. Let's, let's go, let's get it scheduled soon. Yes. I agree.
0: So, but uh you've got a book right now, I can't mm-hmm. believe how great it is. I mean, I, I guess I can. Why? Why am I saying that? That sounds really rude. Like I can't believe how good your book is. Like I, I had no idea you had this in you. No, it's called the joy of missing out. Live more by doing less. I love that you're jumping on the Jomo train here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes. One of the statements that you make really catches my attention, it's the statement that, and I'm quoting you now, overwhelm is not having too much to do. It's not knowing where to start. And that resonates with me, but of course, I've got this one little caveat, which is it is easier to not know where to start when you have more to do, but I think it's still – easy to be overwhelmed when you have little to do but still don't know where to start, right? <laughs>
1: yes, absolutely. That's the thing. It's, it, you know, We get overwhelmed by our long to-do list, but we can get overwhelmed by our short to-do list too. And really having that direction of knowing I'm going to start here and then next I'm going to work on this followed by this, that really empowers us to feel a lot more confident. And when we feel confident, that's when we no longer feel that overwhelmed because there is nothing worse than standing there with that list staring at you going, oh my gosh, I have so much to do. You know what? I think I'm just going to scroll Instagram instead. <laughs> you know, like that's when we start to procrastinate. That's when we start to feel bad about ourselves or what we've, we what we're not going to be able to accomplish. And so I really do believe that when we have that power of knowing where we're going to start and that comes with prioritizing, it really does help us create some structure for our day. And really, that's what helps us feel satisfied. That's what makes us feel successful and happy, which is really the point of everything we do, isn't it? To to end our days feeling good about what we've accomplished.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, even even just yesterday and I'll you know, be honest here, confession, I was struggling with that a little bit. And I had to catch myself for a moment and look back and say, no, look at what you've done throughout today that you marked off your to-do list as well as the last few days. And even that was great because I was out all last week at a conference. And so you know how that goes. You've kind of got to onboard yourself back into your own life.
1: Oh, yeah, this is what I do on a regular basis when I'm not waking up in a hotel room. Yeah, it really is that getting back into to regular everyday life. And I think that, you know, you're not alone in feeling that way that, that when we're, we're kind of getting back to things that things are a little chaotic, or they're a little little hard to figure out. And I think, you know, we kind of touched on this before we started recording, when you have a lot of especially when there's good things, it's, it's easy to prioritize when there's good and bad. It's when there's the good the better and the best mm. right yep. it's really where, where it's no longer black and white where it's more of a gray area really uncover what's important.
0: Yeah. Well, and that can be a trap too, because like you're saying, it's it's overwhelm is, it's not about the amount that you have to do. It's about knowing what you need to do with that amount. But I can see that having a larger amount, and, and this can be a good problem to have, is that you have, like you just put it, the better, the best, and, and the even, mm-hmm. you know, well, I'm, I'm butchering it, but what you said, is it's, just, <laughs> it's all good stuff. None of it's bad stuff. It's not like, oh no, this is a bad thing in my life. I need to cut it. In fact, that's where it gets even harder This is the place where it gets murky because you've got these uh, Mm have-to-do's as well as the need-to-do's, let alone having any time to – or having done any clarifying work on the want-to-do's. Yeah, That's usually Mm -hmm. where we find ourselves. Uh, That's that's the descriptor uh, for a person who is overwhelmed. They don't know how to manage the need-to-do's, the uh, have-to-do's. And they they have these want to do's, but they don't even know how to maybe even get get to that at all. And they just feel like they've always got to be doing more because that's what productivity is with air quotes, Uh, obviously.
1: Yes, with very large air quotes. I think that's really one of the biggest mistakes that people make, make, make is that they think that productivity is doing as much as you possibly can. And productivity is not about doing more. It's doing what is most important. And we feel that when we are not busy, we are somehow failing that we are supposed to be busy, that if we're not filling up our day, if our if our day isn't chock-a-block full of a thousand different tasks and errands and chores, that we're not doing enough. We look around and we go, hold on, there's got to be a reason why. why. Why am I sitting here and not doing anything? we get really uncomfortable with that white space. And we don't think about the fact that we have some want-to-dos. Let's fill that time with some want-to-dos. I feel like have to and want to, those lines have become so blurred and it's really hard for people to really discern between those. They, They think that You know, the life that they're living where they're running around busy all day long. That's just how life works. That's just how things are supposed to be. And it doesn't have to be that way. That's what I try to tell people is that we don't have to fill our days being busy. We can instead choose to live more by doing less. Let's focus in on what's most important. And that is when you truly begin to feel productive. When you do fewer tasks that are tied to your North Star or the things that are important to you, when you do fewer of those, You feel more successful than doing 50 insignificant tasks or unimportant tasks. It's that whole idea that you can take 50 steps in 50 different directions and you'll probably end up in exactly the same place you were when you started. But if instead you choose to take five steps in one forward direction, you move ahead. You get closer to where you want to go. So five steps are better than 50 steps. Yes. And that's and a mindset
0: shift. When, and when you say that, you're saying, you know, when you're saying when you take fewer steps or do fewer uh, total tasks that are in your want to do's, you're not saying mm-hmm. fewer than you usually do, because for most of us, that's very little. We, we're doing right. very, we're already right. doing very few. So fewer there, sure. you're, you're talking the totality of the tasks. You're saying, yes. hey, if you could even only do. Mm -hmm. One, two, three tasks, which might be you doing more than you're doing in the want to do towards your your North Star, that's actually going to feel way more fulfilling than, you know, 50 to 100 other small tasks that are have to do's and want to -to need to do's and things Mm -hmm. like that.
1: Yes, absolutely. And that's the thing is when we're doing these, these tasks, these fewer tasks that are really are tied to our North Star, which I like to define the North Star as our mission, our vision, and our core values. So why we do what we do, how we're doing it, and where we want to go. When we really set everything up in our life so we're moving in that same forward direction, that's when we build up that momentum. And that's when we start getting closer to making our ideal day our everyday. Because I think a lot of people think that, you know, Filling our day is just what we're supposed to do. And so really when we choose instead, and this is the thing is we've forgotten that we have the choices that we can choose to say no to things. We can choose to prioritize. We can choose the life we want to live on a regular everyday basis. When we make those choices and we actively intentionally choose how we want to structure our day that is really when we start to feel that difference in in going to bed at night and feeling happy and satisfied.
0: Well, you talk about this pressure to be busy that mm-hmm. we that we must always be filling our time with something that is productive. These smaller Uh, not smaller. Well, they can be small tasks. Let me, let me rephrase. Uh, they can be small or big tasks, but they're the ones that pile up quickly and have nothing to do most of the time with our North star. So where do you think this pressure comes from in order to accumulate all of those and start checking those all off? Like that's some badge of honor.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think a lot of it really does come from the FOMO, the fear of missing out. We we scroll through our, our social media feeds and we see other people doing it all, apparently, according to their camera feed, right? Mm-hmm. And not only doing it all, but also doing it extraordinarily well. So we think, well, if they're doing it all, I should be doing it all. And And we're also bombarded on a regular basis with this idea that busy is this badge of honor that we should be busy. I mean, how many times... Do you answer the question, how are you with the word busy? I mean, it's like, look at me. I'm busy. Busy must mean that I'm important, that I'm doing something that's important when really busy isn't an emotion. It just, it's not a conversation starter. It's just, it's just a a way to say I'm filling my days and running myself ragged. I feel (laughs) like, you know, my days are chaotic, but you know, we have these messages. I see. Posters, I see notebooks and notepads, I see, you know, all kinds of messages that say, I am very busy. And I think to myself, why is that something to be proud of? Why is busy something we really want? Because busy just means you're spinning yourself in circles. You know, I think it was Henry David Thoreau who said, It's not enough to be busy, so are the ants. It's what are you busy about? That is really the question we want to ask ourselves. Yes, you're busy, but what are you busy doing? Are you busy doing things that fulfill you? Are you busy doing you know things that are on that want to do list? Are you busy doing things that are fulfilling that ideal life that you're looking for, getting you closer to that North Star? Or are you just checking things off your list? Because... That's what you're supposed to do. Or because you have all these urgent fires that are screaming out at you that you just want to check them off that list to get that dopamine hit and and move on. It's really what we want to ask.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, I know that a lot of people, they don't even necessarily, they may not even be super hardcore into swiping through social media although mm-hmm. uh, at this point i assume most people are that's just the way i i live my life and <laughs> or, or or i should say that's the way that i have lived my life and mm-hmm. i know others do the same however i wonder even if just as the culture has progressed forward technology or otherwise that We just don't often stop and think and take reflection time. We don't do Mm -hmm. that discovery period. We don't think to clarify what it is we are busy about. And I wonder if you wouldn't mind maybe taking a moment and discussing this idea of the difference between a to-do list and a priority list, because I think this is a perspective shift people just haven't. Intentionally gone to.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I like what you said there about reflection. And that's truly why the first section of the book is called Discovery, because we want to discover. What is your what is your passion? What is your purpose? What what are your priorities? Because it's unique and different for each person. And then let's set that in the center of the system. Instead of having a system that's there and you're supposed to wrap your life around it. Instead, let's discover who you are and let's put that at the center and then create a system around you and your priorities. So that way you, your priorities, your purpose, your passion, all of that is the center point of your day and everything works around it. And that feeds into this whole idea of getting rid of the to-do list and really creating a priority list. And I like to say that a priority list is a to-do list with intention. Mm. So it takes, it takes the exact same amount of time to write a priority list as it does a to-do list. The only difference is that you're really sitting down and you're being intentional about what you write down. So a to-do list is generally a list that we just kind of add to maybe throughout the day. And it's just basically a brain dump and it's, it's most, you know, basic form. It's essentially a brain dump. And so when we're scanning that list, we don't know where to start. Where do you start? Do you start in the middle? Do you start with this easy task? Do you start with the bigger task? And there we go back to that whole definition of what overwhelm is, not knowing where to start. If instead you take that same list and instead of just having this jumbled, unorganized list, you instead prioritized it and created a priority list, you would start at the top and work your way down. So the priority list system that I teach in the book is based loosely off of the Eisenhower the Eisenhower matrix, um, which is what Stephen Covey based his, uh, his uh, matrix off of as well, because Dwight D. Eisenhower is considered our most productive president. And so he created this system called the Eisenhower matrix. So mine is a little bit of a riff on it because it doesn't have four levels. Mine has three. So you start at the top, and the top level is called escalate. So these are tasks that are important in that they're tied to your North Star, they're tied to your priorities, and they're also urgent. So they have a deadline that's looming. So this might be things like last minute changes to a presentation uh, because you got feedback from your boss or your car breaking down. Important, because you need to take that car to work or you need to have this presentation ready to go. And there's a deadline, it has to happen right away. And so those items go at the very top. The next section of that priority list is called Cultivate. So we had Escalate at the top and then Cultivate is our next one. Now, the Cultivate area is items that are important in that they're helping us focus on our priorities. They're helping us get personal growth. They're getting us closer to our goals, but they're not urgent. They don't have a looming deadline. So these are things like maybe creating a budget for your family or working on a project that's not due for several weeks so you can really innovate and make it the best quality presentation you possibly can. Uh, Maybe taking a course would fit under this section. So these are areas where you're going to see a lot of personal growth and professional development, but there's no urgent deadline. So what ends up happening is a lot of times these tasks, even though these are the things that are investing in yourself, they end up getting pushed aside because they're not a screaming fire. There's not like some alarm bells going off or exclamation points next to them. So it gets taken off your list a lot of times. So I say, first we cover those things that are urgent and important. Then the things that are important, but not as urgent. Those happen next. That's why it's called cultivate. When we cultivate and we invest in ourselves, it bears fruit in the future. So that's really benefiting your future self. And then the very bottom of your list is the group that I call accommodate. So these are the urgent items, the screaming fires that are saying, put me out, put me out, right? The exclamation marks, but they're not really important. They're not really tied to your goals. They're not tied to your North Star. They're not tied to your priorities, but we tend to want to tackle them because they are this urgent fire. You know, a lot of the emails you have right now in your inbox those are not really important, but they're urgent. They need to be responded to. A lot of the phone calls we receive, things like that, that have to be done, but they're not truly important. So the things at the bottom and that accommodate, it's called accommodate because we don't want to start our day here on these urgent fires. We want to end our day here. We want to squeeze them in somewhere. They have to be accommodated somewhere, but we don't center our day around them. So we start at the top with escalate, work our way down to cultivate, and then we do accommodate. So it's a priority list because it lists everything by priority. We start at the top and we work our way down. So because we start at the top and work our way down, we know where we start. We know when we finish that task, what we're going to start on next and then what we're going to start on next. And that's when we let go of that overwhelm. And because we're spending then the majority of our time on important tasks, that's why we begin to see some growth. That's why we can begin to see making, you know, some leaps and bounds towards that life we really want.
0: Now, you say, uh, you know, we don't want to start our day in the accommodating uh mm-hmm. place or the, the it, it, we don't want to go out of order. In other words, right. one of the things that I know I can hear somebody thinking as they listen to this is, well, but what if later in the day I've got this call and it is one of my escalate pieces, but it's mm-hmm. it's later in the day. Does that mean I'm not you know, not having it as top priority. And and obviously the answer there I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is <laughs> okay. if that's the only time that person can meet, then there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. The one thing that you can do to work on the escalation piece of that escalation piece meeting is prepare <laughs> for that call first thing in the morning. So you're ready I when love it's time. It.
1: Yes. Yeah, you have it exactly. And that's that's exactly right. You know, if that is an important meeting, we should probably be doing some prep work for it. So it really goes as well as possible. So you can start your morning preparing for that. And it's okay that that escalate task happens later on in the day, because that's when it's scheduled into the calendar, because that's what worked for your calendar and the person you're meeting with. So one of the words you'll see a lot anytime that you read my book, or you listen to my podcast, or you hear me speak, I use the word flexibility a lot. Because (laughs) you know what life requires? flexibility. We we need that that flexibility because life happens. And when we have these really, really rigid systems where it's like, you have to do this, then you have to do that. And then it has to go in this order. That's when we end up feeling like we failed because we aren't really creating that system to work for us and our life. So, Allow yourself the grace, allow yourself that flexibility to make it work for you. If meeting on that, you know, escalated task happens at three o'clock in the afternoon and that's what works for you in your calendar. Fabulous. As long as it works for you and as long as you make sure that those tasks get taken care of right? It's the same thing with, you know, I get the question sometimes, well, what if I'm going to a meeting and then I need to stop at Target to return a shirt, you know, which would fit under the accommodate section because <laughs> returning a shirt to Target is not important, but it's urgent because you, you know, you want to get your money back. So if your meeting happens to be right next door to, you know, a little area where there's a Target, it's okay. You don't have to go back to your office, wait to the end of the day to go to Target. Sure. Swing by, accommodate that task squeeze it into your schedule, take care of it. Just make sure you're not you know, going on a full target run. It's just to return the shirt and then head back into your day. Flexibility and grace, that's the name of the game. That's really what allows us to make these systems livable because if they're too rigid, it's not it's not fun. First of all, life should be a lot more fun. Life should be a lot more flexible. We need to make it work for us. And when it's too rigid, it doesn't. And that's when we go, you know what? That just doesn't work and I'm just not gonna do anything. I'm just not gonna do it at all. Oh. And that's not the solution
0: either. Yeah. I'm so, so glad to hear you say this because this is one of the things that I think becomes a trap for people, whether they think about productivity a lot. Or they don't think about it at all. Mm-hmm. And and that's one of the reasons or the excuses why they don't ever think about it is because uh all these yet another productivity system that right. locks me in and I feel bad about myself when I can't do it and whatever. No, the flexibility of it, 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 the point that you're really getting at here is you're not saying don't be efficient with your use of time or resources. Mm-hmm. It's saving you time. And a trip that if, again, in your example, that shirt being dropped off really quickly, though it's low priority and not really that urgent, still, if you could take care of it and it's going to take a minute or two, rather than having to think, now, when in my schedule, can I make sure (laughs) to block out time on my calendar to go return this shirt some other time and take yet another whole trip? It doesn't make sense. No. But but moreover… The most important thing is, is just the fact that people would be thinking about escalating, cultivating and accommodating at all and looking through their list of tasks that's on a priority list instead of a to do list with that perspective is a game changer.
1: Yes, absolutely. That's exactly right. It's that to do list with intention. It's intentionally creating the day you want. It's choosing how your day is going to flow and how it's going to run. And that flexibility really is so important there. And that's that's really what the book is all about. It's truly about customizing a system that works for you. We don't want people to feel like they failed. I want productivity to be something that you're like, this makes me feel successful. Productivity can bring you a lot of happiness because you're accomplishing the big tasks. You're accomplishing the big work that feels good, not just to your brain, but also to your soul. And so I think when we're really focusing our days that way, it can make a huge difference. So we want to customize it. We want to make sure it works for you. And we want to have that flexibility so it can work for your life. And that's literally the four steps we work through, that discovery, clarity, simplicity and harmony. It's all about how do we make this work for you? It's not you have to do this, then you have to do this, then you have to do that. It's not a checklist of things. Life is not a checklist. Life is meant to be enjoyed, not endured. And I think so often we feel so chained to these to-do lists or these, these items that we have to do that we forget to look around. We forget to stop and just revel in the beauty that is our lives. And I think that that's really what I want people to get the most out of when they, when they implement this system that's designed around them that your ideal day, that truly can be your everyday when you choose to make it so.
0: slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You mentioned this earlier, that we have a choice and that- often this what's wrapped up in this pressure to be busy is also this perceived lack of a choice that we don't have a choice but to be busy and that's not true and in fact that the the opposite of a lack of a choice is ownership and that that's yes. what you're talking about <laughs> throughout mm-hmm, using mm-hmm. especially your 5 Ps
1: Yes. I think you're absolutely right. We have this learned helplessness that tells us that we don't have ownership over our calendar, that we, we don't have any choices. We have, you know, we have a boss that's really demanding, or we've got we've got kids that, that have schedules that are out of control, or we've got, you know, we, we've got too many committees that we're signed up for. Or we're volunteering on lots of projects. All of these things are choices. Your boss comes to you and says, you know, I've got a project for you and your plate is already full. Your boss doesn't realize your plate is full. They're too busy looking at their own plate, (laughs) which is probably also too full. So really, it's a matter of choosing. Okay, I can take this on and do this halfway, or I can stop and ask my boss, hey, I love taking on this project, and I really appreciate you thinking of me, but I'm already working on X, Y, and Z. So I'd love to do my best work possible, but what would you like me to take off of my plate to make this happen? Chances are, when your boss hears that, they hear, okay, they want to prioritize this. They want to treat it like it's important. I can appreciate that. And they can help you figure out what do you take off your plate. Honestly, a lot of times when we have these demanding managers, they really don't realize all the things they've handed over to you because they've handed it over to you and they've moved on with their day. Same thing with our kids' schedules. That's a choice. If you're signing your kids up for, you know, soccer tournaments that are out of town for 14 weeks straight, plus violin lessons and, you know, Mandarin Chinese lessons and, you know, 5 million other things, we're choosing that. We have to own that circus because that's what it is. It feels like a circus. It feels like a lot of craziness. We have to take ownership over that and look at that and say, is this what I really want? And is this really what my kids want? Is this what my family wants as a whole? We have a lot of ownership over our days. We just don't think that we do because of this learned helplessness. And I think when we reframe that and we realize that there are there are choices in every single situation, We just have to actively look for it. So in the book, I call this the squirrel strategy, where we have to approach it much like a squirrel approaches a bird feeder, right? When a bird feeder is sitting there and the squirrel wants to get at it, even if you've put up these squirrel traps and all kinds of things to keep the squirrels away nine times out of 10, that squirrel has eaten bird seed, right? Because they approach it from many different angles. And that's how we have to approach our own problems. How can I look at this from a different perspective? How can I, how can I solve this? Instead of saying, this cannot be solved, say, how can I solve it? How can I solve this? So, you know, we see that there are choices, even in very limiting situations. You know, prison is a, a good example where there's very limited choices for these inmates. And yet they choose many times very positive choices. And when we find that they do make these positive choices, whether it's, you know, dyeing their hair with Kool-Aid or using toothpaste on magazine pages to create their own eyeshadow or choosing to take GED classes, when they choose, when they leave the prison and they go back into society we find that they are much more successful and they don't end up coming back to prison. So in fact, that's one of the things that's been fascinating with that penal system is that they've been actively working to help create positive choices for inmates because choices aren't just something that's nice to have. Choices are imperative for us to thrive, for us to flourish and feel like we have that ownership. We must have that ability to choose and we must accept the fact that we do have choices. We just have to be really smart about looking for
0: them. So then in that process of acknowledging that we have ownership, that we have Mm -hmm. choices, how do the five P's relate to that?
1: Well, I love that question because the five P's is this structure that I've created to, to really help create structure for your day. So the five P's are purge, process, prioritize, protect, and propel. So really, it's actively sitting down and working through those five Ps throughout your day. So I'll just go over those really briefly. But with each of those Ps, you're making choices. You're taking ownership over your day. So the first P is to purge. So get the list out of your head. Don't worry about prioritizing it. Get the list of things you want to get accomplished for the week out and onto paper, because when you're using your brain as this filing cabinet, you're adding a lot of stress. You're adding a lot of extra thinking that we don't need to do and really getting it out and seeing, okay, this is where I'd like my week to go can make a really big difference. Now, I do this purge process uh, twice. I do it for work. And I do that on Monday mornings and I do it at home. And I do that actually with my family on Sunday afternoons. I keep those very purposely separated Because I want to focus not on work on Sunday afternoons, but instead focus on my family. Um, And then the other benefit of doing that purge with my family is everybody in my family is partaking. Everybody in my family has ownership over the calendar. So my kids know when they have soccer practice, when they need to be ready to go, I can do less nagging. They can be in charge of themselves. So we start with that purge, which is just a bird's eye view of your week. And then the next P is to process. And the processing, I think, is probably one of the biggest mistakes people make that I see is productivity, is they want to sit down, they want to do that purge, maybe on Monday morning or Sunday afternoon, and they want to figure out what they're doing on every single day of the week. So there they are sitting on Monday morning, planning out what's going to happen on Friday afternoon. Well, you know that flexibility we talked about not that long ago? <laughs> There's no flexibility when you set up every single day and you're like, on Friday afternoon, I'm doing these things. There's no flexibility. Let's give ourselves some grace and let's treat each day as a new opportunity. So sit down and for the first five, maybe 10 minutes of each day, process, sit down, look at that list you created, that purge list and decide what can I accomplish today? What's achievable for today? Let's not put five million things on our list. Let's think about what can I get done today and today only. So taking each day as a new chance for getting productive and, and feeling successful makes a really big difference. And the reason why is because some days are amazing. Some days are incredible and we get so much done. But some days, yeah, some days just don't. Right? You wake <laughs> up, you have allergies, you had a sick kid come into your bed in the middle of the night, whatever it is, maybe you didn't get a good start to your day. So maybe we need to plan and process for that day to be a little bit lighter, to accommodate for that. There's that flexibility and that grace that we were talking about. So we process. And then that third P is to prioritize. So process what you wanna get accomplished for the day and then let's prioritize it using that priority list system. Let's figure out what goes under escalate, what goes under cultivate, and then what goes under accommodate. So let's prioritize them and maybe even batch some of our items together. Let's group things together so we can be more effective. Then that fourth P is to protect. It's not enough to prioritize. You have to protect your time. So going in, blocking into your calendar. Okay, I know that I'm really good and productive at 10 a.m. Block out that time. If you have a shared calendar, mark it as a meeting. Mark it as a meeting, even though it's not a meeting with somebody else. It's a meeting with yourself. It's a meeting with your priorities. And block in your day. When you really want to have some deeper work focus time, when do you really want to tackle some of these big priority items? So protect your time. That's a really big step in, you know, taking that ownership, because I want you to fill your calendar first before other people have an opportunity to fill it with their own priorities. You plug in your priorities first. And then once you've done that, then you can allow others in. Then you can allow other people's priorities to come into your day. But first, we want to protect our own priorities and make sure we get those taken care of. And then the last P is probably my favorite. It's propel. And I love that when we end a task, we think about how can I give myself momentum in the future? How can I propel myself? So one of my favorite things to do with this propel is to do a daily download at the end of each day where I sit down and I write down the things I did well, what what were my wins? I spent five minutes doing this. The first minute is spent on my wins. And we talked about this also earlier that we forget all the good we've done, don't we? We we forget, oh, wow, I I really did do, I I wrote out that presentation, that was good work. And I, I packed a healthy lunch and I did all these things well. So spending a minute focusing on what you did well, spending a minute on how did I feel today? Did I put too much on my plate? What Was my stress level high? If you're finding that that's happening on a regular basis, Maybe I need to adjust when I'm doing my processing time and make sure I'm not putting too many things into my day. Then we spend a minute doing gratitude. What am I grateful for today? What will, what what made a difference for me and made me happy today? And then minute four is spent thinking about what is one thing I did today to get closer to a goal? And minute five is spent mapping out these are the things I'd love to accomplish for tomorrow. So it's not planning out tomorrow. But it's really getting those things out of your head so that when you close that door on your work compartment in life and you go home to your home compartment where your family is and your friends are, you're really able to focus on them fully. Now, with this little notepad, I like to leave that on my desk. And you know what I do when it's time to process the following day? I look over the daily download from the day before. I review my wins and I start my day feeling, okay, I accomplished a lot more yesterday than I even realized. I look over how I need to process. Do I need to you know, make my days more achievable? I look over what I was grateful for. That builds in my gratitude again. And then I have that list of things that I wanna get accomplished today. And I can use that as my springboard to build up momentum for the next day. So going through that process of the five P's is really very simple and it doesn't take very long, but with each one of those steps, you're saying, I'm choosing what I'm going to focus on for this week. I'm choosing to treat today like a new opportunity. I'm choosing how to prioritize. I'm choosing to protect my time and I'm choosing to invest in myself by giving myself momentum in the future by propelling. And I think when we understand that having this structure That, again, is very flexible because, you know, life, right? It's very flexible. But having this this structure really can help us maximize our productivity because it gives us ownership in every single step.
0: So speaking of the work compartment and the home compartment. I know Mm -hmm. that you also say that we need to let go of balance. And when you say the word balance, like my mind goes work-life balance. So work compartment, Mm -hmm. home Mm -hmm. compartment, I'm like, what's going on here? So can you explain what you mean by letting go of balance?
1: Well, I think we're, we're always in pursuit of this mythical balance that, oh, you need more work-life balance. And here's the truth. We don't want balance. We really don't. It doesn't exist, first of all. But second of all, if it did, we wouldn't be happy with it. If life is perfectly balanced, we wouldn't be moving in any direction. If everything is all perfectly even, there's no, there's no growth or there's no movement. So I like to think of it like riding a bike. If you're riding a bike, you're balanced. But if you want to choose your direction, if you want to go left, you have to lean over to the left. Now, you can't stay leaned over to the left for a long time because you'll fall over. You have to counterbalance to put yourself back upright. But then if you want to choose to move right, you balance over and you you shift over your weight and you move to the right. And then you counterbalance. And it's the same way with life. I like to say we have these three compartments of work, home, and personal. So each one of those needs to be a priority at different times. So it's okay to maybe lean a little bit harder into our work compartment for a little while, just like we, we lean on that bike. Now, the trick here is that we don't want to lean so hard in that work compartment that we fall over, right? That we're, we're so imbalanced that, that things are out of whack. We have to counterbalance. And then maybe for the next 90 days, then you lean a little bit more into your home compartment. And then you counterbalance again. This is that idea of harmony that we don't really want balance. We want to feel okay leaning into a priority because that's when we have growth. If everything's perfectly even and we're not leaning into anything, we're standing in exactly the same place. We're not going in any direction that we really want to choose to go in. So we have to let go of this idea of balance. And I think one of the biggest things that I see with balance is, is people feel like we have these 24-hour windows to achieve balance, that, oh, I didn't make it home for dinner again. My work-life balance is totally out of whack, right? So instead of looking at our life as these 24-hour snapshots again and again and again and again, what if we zoomed that out a little bit? What if instead we zoomed it out and looked at the 168 hours of our week? And if we do that, there's a lot more opportunities for that, here comes that word again, flexibility and that grace that we need. That yes, I didn't make it home for dinner tonight, but I made it home for dinner four nights out of seven. Now, I would say that sounds like a win to me. You're doing a lot better than you thought. But each time we don't make it home for dinner, we think I failed, my balance is out of whack. Instead, let's choose to zoom out. Let's choose to see that there are days where we're leaning more into that work compartment. And that's okay because there are other days where we lean back and we're leaning further into our home compartment. There's that ebb and flow. It's almost like a dance that happens where we're leaning and then counterbalancing and then leaning in another direction. I wish you could see me because I'm literally (laughs) leaning as, as we're talking. I'm like leaning to one side because that's what we do when we lean into a priority. That's when we begin to see movement. That's when we begin to see change happening. And that is really when we begin to see those leaps and bounds being made that make us truly happy.
0: I'm glad that you decided to do that macro level (laughs) examination there, (laughs) because I think that that really is uh, how it works. And, you know, I just kept thinking as you were saying that, yeah, like I was out of whack last week because I was not with my family for basically a whole week while I was out of town for a conference and just acknowledging that that is not the normal. In fact, I've got to do it again two more times in the next couple of weeks or so at not for as long, thankfully, uh, but the fact that I know that that's not how it always is helps me to slack back to quote normalcy, if there is that. I mean, that's still trying to achieve a, a balance in my head, I guess, but still, it's hard not to sometimes. You kind of want an equilibrium. You want it, to, it, it's that whole like, okay, re, you know, returning to peace, if you will.
1: Right. Yes. And so that's really where that harmony, the idea of harmony comes in, because, yes, last week you were really leaning into that work compartment. But then you came home and I guarantee when you came home, you focused more on family mm-hmm. and you spent more time with them. So you stopped leaning into work and you leaned in the opposite direction into home. And so that's that harmony that that's really where we eventually find that equilibrium, because when we're riding that bike, we're not falling over all the time. Now that we know how to how to shift our balance and and how to lean and lean back, we're moving forward and we're moving forward with a lot of velocity and momentum because of all of that shifting that happens.
0: I'm blanking on who it was and I'll look it up and I'll list it in the show notes for this episode. But I had a conversation on productivity and parenting uh, about a year ago. With somebody, and I feel bad that I can't remember who it was, but it was a great conversation. And one of the ta- the biggest takeaways for me, which goes right along with what you're talking about here, is that basically, for relationships to continue moving forward, it's it's you know, and especially with like a teenager, for example, yes. it's mm-hmm. that it's not that you need to sit and have constant quality time with them. It's that there are. It, Dude, there's, 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 um, there's research and studies, like everybody always says, they, you know, they studied this thing and blah, blah, blah. Well, yes, research shows perfect. Uh, they said that it only takes about a 10 to 15 minute kind of a quote check in that then Mm -hmm. reconnects and maintains, um, That relationship that, you know, things are going well and all that kind of stuff. And and this this applies to that. So I'm saying that, you know, one of the best ways that you can do that then is even if you're still in the the mindset of trying to maintain a balance. okay well, how about just maintain a maintain a connection instead?
1: Mm hmm. It's really about the quality rather than the quantity. And we get really caught up in quantities. We get caught up on on how much or how much time have we spent? How have we checked all these boxes off? And instead, it really is that quality. When you're when you're focused in on your family time, are you truly focused in on them? And are you giving them the best version of you that you possibly can? Because if you're doing that, but it's a smaller amount of time than you're giving work, that's more meaningful, than if you were giving them equal amounts where it was kind of like, yeah, but I'm still checking in and I'm still scrolling my phone, checking in with my email while we're hanging out, that's that harmony we're looking for. It doesn't have to be even in the amount that of time that we're spending necessarily, but it really is about quality, not quantity.
0: Yes. And of course, then there's those times where it's just like, hey, let's get, let's go uh, spend a few hours together doing a, yes. doing something fun, just
1: Absolutely. Whatever.
0: But yes. again, mm-hmm. it's all about that flexibility. So uh, I do want to bring up one other piece here that I think fits right into all of what we've talked about, but we've kind of gone round and round it. But it's this idea of white space. I especially like the uh the metaphor or the it's I guess it's not a metaphor, but it becomes one of the sleeping like a shark.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I had this conversation with a friend who uh, I was asking her what was going on with her business and she was asking me what's going on mine. And she made this comment where she said, I'm like a shark. If I stop swimming, I die. If I stop moving, if I stop, you know, moving forward, I'm just going to I'm just going to die. And I'm like, that's a really interesting thought because we feel like we have to always be moving. Because if we're not moving, something bad is going to happen to us. This is a whole idea that if we're not busy, that we're somehow failing. And so one of the things I think is fascinating is you're right. Sharks cannot stop moving. Sharks are constantly in motion because that's how they breathe. And yet sharks have found the ability to float to the bottom of the riverbeds or to the, to the ocean floor and find these currents that flow over their gills so that they are constantly having this movement over their gills. But they're rested. And if a shark can do that, why can't we? Why can't we find periods where we can rest up, where we can allow ourselves that that deep inhale before the exhale to really be able to do our best work? We really feel like white space a lot of times is is not the best use of our time because we're not actively doing something. But in fact, your brain is constantly working, whether you are meaning for it to or not. That's why many times our best ideas happen in the shower or maybe while we're driving in our car, because we're not actively forcing ourselves to think about it. So I like to say that white space is where ideas, innovation and ideals are really born, because it allows us that space to innovate. It allows us that space to create and to really do our very best work. So giving ourselves periods of rest is not a reward for great work. It's a requirement for great work to happen.
0: I even like to, as I'm going between <laughs> the the not balancing, but the shifting or focusing in on the work compartment or the home compartment, make sure that as I'm switching compartments, I provide a little bit of margin, a little bit of white space in there. Uh, This could be time on the commute or walking outside before coming home again. I've said this before on the show where it's like, Hey, I'll close my day out and I like to go outside and take a quick walk depending upon how the weather is to clear the head, not be like, you know, in other words, not be jumping off a call and then sitting down at the dinner table and not fully present.
1: Yes. I think that's so true.
0: There's so much more here that we could go into, but I I think it's time for me to just say people should just go get the book. I mean, (laughs) there there is, but there really is. Like, here's the fun thing. I always love when I get to say we talked about a lot of stuff, but we barely scratched the surface. And that is true yet again. I would love for people, though, to go out and pre-order the book because you've got a special bonus for people if they do. I
1: do. I do. I'm really excited about this bonus, too, because honestly, um, I really feel like one of the things that we talked about here was that idea of discovery, uncovering your purpose and your passion and your priorities. And for many people, that really can be a stumbling block. So when it was time to come up with what could we really do that would be amazing and incredible for people who pre-order the book, I thought, you know what? I'm going to offer my Discover Your North Star course. I um. I have this course where we walk through and we discover together what is your purpose? What is your passion? What are your priorities? And it's a deep dive into who you really are. Um, and so that is one of the bonuses, just one of the three bonuses that come when you pre-order the book. It's a $247 course that I offer, um, that I've seen, you know, women go through and make huge, amazing transformations. Um, after finishing up that course. So it's really exciting that I'm able to offer that as one of the bonuses. And then I also give you access to the first two chapters of the book, the audiobook version of the first two chapters, and then a discount of 20% off at anything in my Inkwell Press store where I have all kinds of productivity tools and products to really help you utilize a lot of these things like the five P's and the priority list system and all of that. So um, readers can have that by going to joyofmissingout.com. And I have Information on where you can order the book, which is essentially anywhere books are sold, and then um, where you can put in your order receipt and grab those free bonuses. I'm so excited about offering this course as a freebie for people because I just think it works so well with the book as a way to dive even deeper into these concepts.
0: Perfect. So the book is out on October 1st. Uh, ideally, people will pre order it uh, before then because this will have dropped in advance of that date by uh, a week. And yes. or a little over, a little under, something right around there. And that is the perfect time for people to take advantage of that. So, again, uh, what was that website for where people should go if they want to take advantage of your pre order?
1: Yes, it's joyofmissingout.com.
0: Perfect. Tanya, awesome talking with you as usual. And we will definitely have you back soon.
1: Thank you. Loved being here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, that's another podcast episode crossed off your listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Tanya Dalton. I know that I did. It's always good to have great reminders of recalibrating our focus, our perspective on time, our days, our busyness, our tasks getting out from under the weight of the overwhelm and coming to grips with that perceived lack of choice. If you enjoyed this episode, would you do me the favor of thinking of one person that I know you probably already have in mind anyway and sharing this episode with them? That would really help me spread the show to more listeners who really need it. Just hit that share button in your podcast player app of choice or head on over to the show notes at list.com. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next episode.